Hey, it's Misty and Liz. We're two women who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. And everything else on our minds. So get cozy, grab a drink, and let's get started. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Sounded like Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what's been going on? What you been getting into? Oh, nothing. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, a couple weeks ago, whenever we did our giveaway, my little thing was comment your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. And so many people commented the dropout about Elizabeth Holmes oh, and Theranos. God. Yes. So I was like, okay, let me go check this podcast out. And it's like a, oh my God, it's got several seasons. Mm-hmm. I finally finished the first season of it. And it's like six or eight episodes long. And it was really good. I didn't realize how deep that went. Oh, yeah. Did you listen to the podcast? Jax and I listened to it like in 2019. Oh, yeah. It's a really old podcast. And he, that's what got Jax obsessed with Elizabeth Holmes and this whole thing. So now he's watching the dropout on Hulu. I was about to say, they made it into a show. And he tells me that it starts off a little slow, but it gets a little bit like he read the book. Wow. I mean, he's 13. I read the book and I pass it on to him. He's very much a... Elizabeth Holmes fan. He's kind of starting to become like an Anna Delvey kind of fan. Okay. They did the Inventing Anna. Inven- I didn't watch it, but I've heard people say her name before. So on Swindled, the podcast, they did an Anna Delvey episode like in 2020. Okay. And so that's kind of where I became familiar with that whole story. And that's actually where I became familiar with the Tinder Swindler, the Simon whatever his last yeah. name is he did an episode on him too but Anna Delvey that was like super interesting I'm gonna have to watch that one I think there's nine episodes I'm in the middle of episode nine okay what I thought was so weird about the dropout was they had so many people who knew Elizabeth Holmes before and one of the main things that they said was that is not her voice right and that was the whole thing whenever I'm listening to the podcast and they play audio from mm-hmm. her I'm like she sounds so weird. So weird. It's not even like an accent that you could, it's like super masculine. Oh, I sat in my office by myself because you know, I work from home. Mm-hmm. I'm by myself most mm-hmm. of the day. So I sat in there like talking out loud to myself and I'm like, can you please bring me some papers? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't sound, I sound like I'm trying to sound like a man. She just sounds a little masculine. I don't know how she does it because I've been practicing oh, okay. and I cannot, <laughs> I can't do it. I'll continue practicing and maybe I'll do an entire podcast. Oh, that'll I'll be. do it. I'll do an entire, I'll do an entire <laughs> podcast in her voice. That sounds more like her. What, <laughs> what was interesting to me is that she wore like a black turtleneck like Steve Just, Jobs did. Yes. Like no one would ever notice. And she stole all his people. Right. And right. She sounds loony. But so... Of course, I start Googling because this is me. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot watch a murder documentary. Like, in the middle of it, I'm, like, Googling, like, does the this ending. person get convicted? Right, right. I can't <laughs> wait. Right. So I start Googling, and I think they just found her guilty. Mm-hmm. She has not been to sentencing, but she has gotten married and had a child in the amount of time between the federal investigation and going to trial. Right. She's, like, a whole new person now. So weird. And that's so weird. So, like, now... Now I'm like, oh, this bitch better go to jail. But now she's got this child that she's going to leave. So now it just complicates things so much more. Because, you know, you don't want a child to be without their mom unless they're a psycho. And then maybe they're better off without her. Right. And, like, she's just one of those master manipulators. Oh, like mastermind. Like the pizza bombing. Oh, that was so good. What was that? Mad Genius? Yeah. Yes. That was so good, too. I I watched that one twice. Wow. 
Yes, it was. It, it was, was really good. It was very good. Um, the ending was the last episode. Do you remember? And it was like, whoa! There was like that flip. I don't really remember. I just know that there was like this twist that he had been involved in it. Oh, the pizza delivery guy. Yeah, I do remember that. Also, when I was listening to podcasts this week, I've been listening to a lot of Dateline podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like Keith Morrison's voice just like mm-hmm. carries me throughout the day. Oh yeah, they made the thing about Pam mm-hmm. into to a, a show. Into a show yes. with Renee Zellweger. I don't know if she's in it or if she just produced it. I'm not sure, but I, I that was a really good. That was such a good podcast. Yeah. So I was like, man, I kind of want to watch that. Although. I already know the story, so it's not going to surprise me. But I started listening to the thing about Helen and Olga. Who was that? So that is the old ladies that would get homeless people, and they would take care of them for a couple of years, and they would take out life insurance policies on them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd run over them with a the car and claim the life insurance policies. <laughs> yeah. They were making, like, millions off these homeless people. Right. The person who solved it was the insurance guy, because he was like, a million dollars is a lot of dollars. I need to investigate this. Mm-hmm. So he came... Flew to Los Angeles, investigated it, and figured out there's some weird shit going on with these old ladies. Which is, it was like, why would you take a million dollar policy out on a... Several. They, yeah. It would be like one person and they would take out like six policies. Which is... Because they were greedy. Well, yeah, but it was it was like, that's not normal. That's like red flags. Right. I know. Anyway, I've been listening to those podcasts. Those are good podcasts. I'm still a Killer Queens fan. Yeah. I listen to See You Next Tuesday every single week. I listen to like my Unchefed every week and I just discovered Friday the 13th. What is that? It's these two men and they kind of, the one that I listened to was about the terrors of exercising. So, oh God. I, I know. <laughs> so they were talking about like all the bullshit that goes around like exercising and dieting and then they talked about this like old 80s workout based horror film what it was it was crazy but it was really good and it was just like a fresh take on things and they had really good chemistry as hosts together like they kept you engaged and you wanted to keep listening there's so many good true crime like red-handed i think i've mentioned that one before Mm -hmm. sword and scale you always talk about yes um but killer queens is like my jam oh they were talking about the murdoch murders Okay, I feel like I should know this. Yeah, Alex Murdaugh, he came home with a large property in South Carolina to find his wife, Maggie, and his youngest son. He was 22. They were deceased and then come to find out, like, he was he behind got... it. Of course he did. It's of always the husband. Yeah, fucking husbands. I know. Um, but I don't get to listen to podcasts like I used to. Anything other than music without lyrics, it has to be like jazz or something like that. Mm-hmm. I cannot concentrate. No. So I can't listen to anything but true crime podcasts while I work because they're usually so predictable mm-hmm. that it's like I don't have to pay attention. My mind can drift. But I found that just having another voice, like a conversation almost mm-hmm. happening, keeps me awake mm-hmm. more. So I can put on like a Dateline podcast or something and I can get the gist of it, but I don't really have to pay all the way attention. Yeah. So it kind of just like helps me get through my day. And if I walk away and miss like a minute, then like it's not a big deal, you know? Right. So, but I couldn't listen to any other type of podcast while I'm working just because I would be like, wait, what do you say? And have to, <laughs> like I can't listen to an audio book while I work or anything okay. like that. Like that, I would be out of it. I Definitely can't. music with lyrics. If I know the Mm-mm. lyrics, I'm going to sing along. So I yeah. cannot listen to music while I work. I Absolutely. It has to be just like coffee house music. I even tried to listen to like instrumental tool one day mm-hmm. whenever I was working and I'm like trying to sing along. <laughs> it's like, so 
<laughs> yeah. Instrumental tool. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I looked up some April 2022 new releases as far as books go. So I picked four. Would you care to hear about them? I would love to hear about them. Okay. So there's one called Sense and Second Degree Murder by Tears of Prince. It's a YA mystery. And it just said it was a fun Jane Austen retelling of Sense and Sensibility. I think I heard about this. With a little bit of murder added to the mix. So the Dashwood sisters have to combine their talents to solve their father's murder. I like a good retelling. It seems like a lot of books are retellings without actually acknowledging that they're retellings. But you know, yeah. So I really like it when they're just like, this is a retelling. There's also this book called Hotel Magnifique by Emily J. Taylor. This is a YA fantasy, and it's said for fans of Night Circus. So mm, I'm, like, you. I'm like immediately into it because, you know, that's one of my favorite books. It says 17-year-old Janie uncovers the deeply disturbing secrets of the legendary Hotel Magnifique. So what do you automatically think of? Um, The Shining. Oh, see, I automatically <laughs> thought of like American Horror Story vibes. Like, I see, um, I didn't watch Hotel, that. what is it? Cecil. It looks Cecil, like Cecil, but yeah. everybody kept saying Cecil, but like not so scary. I didn't watch American Horror Story. I didn't either. Actually, well, that's a lie. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> lie. Um, I did watch American Horror Story, and I started watching that one, but that one got to be like more. I don't know, like demonic. Yes, I couldn't. I, I couldn't, couldn't do I couldn't. that kind of scary because I'm like, oh shit, like this. I feel like this could happen. Well, you know I feel what like I mean? I'm summoning things and I'm like welcoming it. <laughs> like, let me pull my, my Ouija board out. And it, it was just like super like gory and weird. Wasn't that the one with Lady Gaga? Yeah. So I really wanted to watch that one, but it just it was kinda... like, well, yes, it had the name. Yeah, but I will tell you the American Horror Story, like the Asylum and the Haunted House one, those were really good. And I don't really like horror a whole lot. I do, but I remember there was this episode that I saw, and I think it was, I forget which American Horror Story, because there was, you know, like, there was different, each one focused on a different thing. It was on a home, like a house, I think. They had a New Orleans one that had, like, a big house. Yeah, it was, like, a big house. It was, like, one of the first episodes, and there was, like, a scene where... The rape scene. Yes. In the bus. "Mm -hmm." I was like, nope, nope. Yeah. I couldn't do it. That was truly horrifying, but I can tell you she comes back and kills every single one of them. So oh, well, fuck good for her, boys. but still. <laughs> and I think that little girl is actually, little girl, she's probably like 27. I think she's actually Julia Roberts' niece, Emma Roberts. Oh, okay. There's certain things that I just can't take lightly, and I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, nope. Okay, the next one is Electra by Jennifer Saint. I wanted to talk about this one because it's like another Greek retelling. So it kind of gave me like Song of Achilles vibes. Mm-hmm. But this one's about three generations of cursed women. And it, it talks about Clytemnestra, Cassandra, and Electra. And it brings a lot of the same cast of characters from Song of Achilles in. So I feel like maybe we would be a little bit better prepared to read that book. You know, <laughs> okay. I was like, okay, we might. We know our history a little bit better now. Right, right, right. And then the last one is An Honest Lie by Taryn Fisher. And this one said, Rainy lives in a secluded life to hide from her past. And then she reluctantly agrees to go on a girl's trip to Vegas. One of her friends is kidnapped to get back to her to, like, uncover her her past or whatever. So it sounded really interesting. And we actually have an ARC copy coming in the mail. So we get to read it before it even comes out. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So I'm pretty excited about that one. And then there was a bunch of other YA books for April 2022. I think also... 
Jagged Little Pill. Okay. So, did you know that was a play? No. Yeah, they turned it into a play. R- what? It says, a timely and gutsy YA novel based on the Tony and Grammy award-winning musical from Alanis Morissette, Diablo Cody, which I'm pretty sure that's the lady mm. who directed Juno. Yes. And Glenn Ballard. So, it says the novel follows the intertwining lives of five teens whose world has changed forever after the events at a party. Ooh, that sounds like it could be bad. That does sound like it. But anyway, I thought that was interesting because Jagged Little Pill is like such a part of our childhood. Yeah, 1994, 95, yes. So I was like, I didn't know that it was a play, much less a book. Oh, I didn't know that either. I thought that was pretty interesting. That's very interesting. What you got as far as book news goes? So I was watching TikTok, you know how I do. Yeah. And they had this, um, Schuler Books had a... Um, at Schuler Books on TikTok had this, they had asked like their bookstore employees, like if you could read any book for the first time, what book would it be? Oh my God. That's such a good like, it is. suggestion. So one of the ones that came up was Codename Verity. Every time somebody says, have you read Verity? I say, Codename Verity or Verity? <laughs> right. Which one? Yeah. So Codename Verity was mentioned the thief was mentioned but Codename Verity when they kind of described what it was about was not about what you thought it was going to be about exactly and I was like this sounds super super awesome so I put that one on my list because uh Claire she was an employee there okay she, hey Claire hey Claire she suggested that one and she made it sound like the best thing ever more than this by Patrick Ness was also mentioned by Christine and that sounded like something that I have to read, too. Oh, maybe we should read that on one of our next months. Yes. It sounded awesome. And so did Alias Grace by Margaret Atwood was also mentioned. Okay. That one sounded okay. incredible. Okay. Lady? Yes. Okay. Let's read that one because I want to give her another shot because I feel really stupid that I talk shit about her. So let's put that one on one of our next months. Okay. That one was suggested. And I feel like, one. did they make that into a show or a movie? I feel like I've heard that before. I, yes. So it was on Netflix in 2017. Okay. Is it a Netflix original? It looks like Netflix original. Okay. So it should still be there. Yes. It's the story of young Grace Marks, a poor Irish immigrant and domestic servant in Ireland. Upper Canada. Yay. <laughs> Who's accusing and convicted of the 1843 murder of her employer and his housekeeper. Ooh. Okay, so let's read that and then watch the show and then we'll discuss. Oh my goodness. Shout out to Schuler Books because that was such a great little TikTok to watch. That was. I've thought about that before. I've seen that question on like Bookstagram or something. And I like to say Evelyn Hugo is another good one that just was a little bit surprising. Right. You yeah. know, like you didn't expect that. Oh, there's so many. Like what would be your, if you could read it for the first time? Mm. Have we ever read books before we did this podcast? No, I like I like Seven Husbands. That one didn't wasn't what I expected. Song of Achilles was just I devoured that story. You know, I liked it. I cried about it. Oh god. I think I don't know. But you know, if you wait long enough, you don't have to not have a second chance at them. You you can get a second chance, is what I'm trying to say. Like she's come undone. Yeah. I know this much is true. Don't remember at all what those were about. I just know I like them. So we could reread those and it'll be Reading them again. That's true, because this has been a long time. It's been over 20 years. I know. I know by the Cage Bird Sings, probably like one of the ones that I would want to Is read. that a story, or is that like a pl- collection of poems? 
God, see, it's been so long. So that like I literally read, I think I literally read it in junior high. Mm. So that was like 91, 92. So maybe I can read it again for the first time. Yes, for sure. Right. It was kind of like a memoir. It's giving me Ocean Vong feels. Uh, it wasn't, yes. No, it was not like that at all. But well, I mean, you know how it was like almost poetry. It kind of straddled the line between poetry and novel. Yes. I mean, with my Angelou, so everything she did, I'm sure she probably like screamed in anger and it was probably poetic. Probably. There's so many that I would like to read again for the first time or that I wish I had the chance to read for the first time. I am going to finish the fourth Harry Potter with my son. And then I think I'm going to read Tuck Everlasting with my daughter Mm -hmm. because I don't quite remember what that was about. But I remember as a child, that being one of those books that was like, I didn't know you could do that with a book. It's about immortality and this one family never ages. So they have to keep moving. Right. I think this is like my second grade brain trying to remember it, but they have to keep moving because it would be weird if they never aged. Mm-hmm. So it, it was yeah. hard to have relationships and it was, this probably started like my magical love and like my love of vampires. Maybe so. Well, I would also like to read Matilda for the first time. I read that during COVID with my kids. I think I read it, I don't know, like fifth or sixth grade and I loved it. It's yeah. still, it's, and it's still like the movie still like my kid's favorite. Uh-huh. And I liked the movie. It was okay. But the book, cause I loved like the little drawings that were in there. Yeah. And the, a little oh raw doll drawings. Yeah, yeah. They're so just <laughs> like the way they drew that he drew the dad. Like he had his hat, and it was like when they glued the hat on it. I remember there's little speckles all over his head where like the pieces of hat were, and I just like it was. It was just like such a great thing. And I always loved the witches was my favorite raw doll yeah. book. And then I meant to read more, but. I don't think we owned anymore. So I just ended up reading The Witches over mm-hmm. and over and over. Wayside Stories would probably be another. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I bought Wayside yes. Stories for my son, and he doesn't get it. Do what? You remember, like, uh, or he doesn't not get it. He just never liked it like I did. But I remembered they had each chapter was named after one of the kids. Yeah. And Joe was made into ice cream right. or something. So Joe would eat the ice creams and it was like, uh, like Julie loved Joe flavored ice cream or yes. whatever. Like yes. Julie loved Joe the best. And I don't know. I thought that those were so funny. It was just so clever. They were, they were like sarcastic. It was like yeah. dry humor, which it is was. like our thing. It was, it was so good. And there was never like a yellow ball. There was only like a green ball or yellow ball <laughs> left and they never bounced. Um, <laughs> yeah. The school was 33 stories high because they built it wrong. Right. (laughs) They didn't build it long way. They built it up. Yeah. Yeah. It was just just so dumb. It was so good. And it caught, it like made you think. Yeah. And it was just, it was just funny. It It was was. funny in a smart way. It was. Especially for whenever you're a kid. Oh yeah. Like I think the first chapter was the teacher turned everyone into an apple. Whenever they were bad. They were bad. So she had like eight apples on her desk. And and then Lewis came (laughs) and ate one. Lewis came and ate them. Yes. So weird. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So So the book we're talking about today is Night Bitch by Rachel Yoder. You cannot miss it because it has a ribeye on the cover or maybe a New York strip. Okay. So Rachel Yoder grew up in a Mennonite community in Ohio. She now lives in Iowa City with her husband and her son. 
She's a graduate of the Iowa Nonfiction Writing Program and holds a master's in fiction from the University of Arizona. She also ran the Iowa Youth Writing Project, which is a creative writing nonprofit, which is so cool. Yeah, I looked at the website and it was like they had a creative writing workshop for like little kids. And then they had like a teen writing workshop for college admissions essays. Mm -hmm. And you do that at school. But I can imagine like this is probably so much more helpful because it's not your teachers. It's somebody different. That's just such a, a cool thing that I would have never thought about, but is so needed. And then like all the other authors that we've talked about, she just always has written. So it just seems like... Just to encourage writing is such a good thing among kids because now with like, I don't know, phones and computers, there's writing almost gets lost. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I thought that was really cool. She was also awarded with the Editor's Prize in Fiction by the Missouri Review. And she's one of the founding editors of Draft Journal, which features stories, essays, poetry, interviews with authors. It emphasizes the importance and diversity of the creative process. So again, she's kind of just like nurturing writing and it kind of it goes into what goes into Mm -hmm. the writing process and I think it said it features a lot of first drafts if you're into writing and you're like in Mm -hmm. that world that just seems like a really cool what a cool concept I know she's also really involved in the Mission Creek Festival, which is a three-day music and literature festival in downtown Iowa City, Iowa. Music and books? Yes. So she said she's actually from a musical family, and she started playing piano at an early age and singing, and she's kind of moved away from music, but she still craves it. So Mm -hmm. she's involved in this like music and literature festival. I quoted one of her um, articles. She says, I think long sentences, the way I write myself through them, they're closer to music and singing than they are necessarily to prose. So she's still kind of thinking with her musical brain. Yeah. I would love to get my kids involved in music. Jax loves to play in band. So I guess that's kind of, that's musical. A band. (laughs) (laughs) Got a couple more little points about Rachel Yoder. It says that she was actually reading The Department of Speculation by Jenny Offill. And the line in the book came up and it says, it was never my plan to get married. I wanted to become an art monster instead. So she said this line kind of became the catalyst for this book, Night Bitch, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. I couldn't find her favorite books, but the book Art and Fear, she mentioned it in a few articles. She wrote an article about what books meant to her over COVID and quarantine. She mentioned a bunch of books that she had read and how she kind of like moved out of her normal area. You know how you Mm -hmm. you have your genre that you like and usually stick with it. And she said she kind of moved out of her normal genre and like expanded and read books she wouldn't normally read. And she said she read a lot of kids books. She went through like all the Wizard of Oz's Mm -hmm. with her kid. But she mentioned Art and Fear in a few articles. And from what I gather, the book is actually called Art and Fear, Observations on the Perils and Rewards of Art Making by David Bales and Ted Orland. Although I'm not sure about that. She never mentioned the authors. But when I just like quickly Googled it, that's what came up. That sounds interesting. Anyway, take it away, Sam. So Night Bitch, when you told me about the premise of this book, I was like, I have to read it. It sounded like us. Yes. It's basically this woman is married. She has a kid and she starts turning into a dog called Night Bitch. Sign me up. Right. Was the book about that? Yes. Yes. It was more so about 
a woman who has a child who loses her identity. So I think you and I have discussed and talked about, does she really turn into a dog? Or does she have like these physical things? Is she like losing her mind? I guess like kind of like psychosis. Mm -hmm. Or is it symbolic for something else? Yeah. From what I have gathered from reading online, it is actually the latter. Yes. It's the symbolic. I would have preferred her actually turning into a dog. Really? Yes. Finish telling us about the book and then we can talk about it. So she... And there's really not much to honestly tell. There's not. This, this story, like bare bones, is not a big story. So she is at the height of her career. She works in an art gallery. She's a curator, I believe. It's like her dream her job. Her dream job. And she is like doing what she wants to do. She's like pursuing her passions. She's married to obviously a loser who like doesn't want to help. <laughs> I hate this guy. She like has a baby. She doesn't want to help. Uh Because he has, like, a lucrative job. She's up all night and everything, and he just, like, cannot be bothered. Well, he's gone Monday through Friday. He is. Like, I'll give him that. But at the same time, it's like he's not – there's no give and take with this guy. Okay. You know what I'm saying? He's not like, look, how can I help you? What can we do? Can we get you help? Like, can I get a nanny? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, okay, bye, peace out. I'm, like, going. Okay, I have thoughts, but I'll tell you, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Okay. So then she quits her job. She's got that mom guilt. You know, it's like – she has to stay home. Well, I'll say has to, but society is pressuring her. Well, that, and then you feel bad dropping your kid off at this daycare for 12 hours, all of their waking day, whenever they're infants, mm-hmm. and somebody else is raising them, and you know that you're going to miss their first steps and their first words, and it's like, it's it's hard. It is hard, and she, like, pumps at work, and it's mm-hmm. just, it's depressing, and it, it's just not, she can't juggle both, and I feel that. In my soul, I feel that. So I'm reading this book and her thoughts are my thoughts. Same. That's what the whole book is. Same. Almost to Mm -hmm. a fault. Okay, wait. Continue. We'll talk about this book. As soon as you get done telling us about it, I want to I want to butt in and tell you all my thoughts about it because this book was made to be discussed. It was not a book that you like read and keep to yourself. No. This is a book that you like tell everyone Have a conversation with. Yes. So she even like her, you know, her teeth start, you know, she starts looking at her teeth like as she... Like, I'm in, like, canines? Like, are they, like, becoming longer and sharper? <laughs> and, like, she has, like, this hair patches. And then she thinks she has a tail. So yes. She's, like, she wants to wag it. Uh-huh. She starts feeding her kid raw meat. And she, like, starts playing this game to get her kid to sleep, like, putting it in a kennel. Yeah, they, they play doggy. Yes. <laughs> it's just, what? Then it turns a little sideways because she commits an animal murder of a cat. Her own cat. Her, and as you're reading the book, you know something's going on with this cat. You know that. Yeah, because she's always like this stupid fucking cat. Yes. I'm like telling the cat to leave. Like, run. Run. Me run. Same. No. Same. It's not going to end well. Move, cat. <sighs> and so she, she get you know, like a dog gets a cat. There is a quote from the book that I did jot down. It is, it is the book. She says, she could almost touch her loneliness like a second child. She's surveying this habit. That is brought on by the, her toddler. Mm-hmm. Her toddler makes this mess and everything. And that's what this whole book is. She's lonely. Uh-huh. And you get it. As a mother, you're just like, I get it. As I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, yes, I understand. I have had these thoughts. I totally, absolutely get it. But I do wish that it was more. I wish it had been about what I thought it was about. <laughs> To be honest with you. Also, during the book, she's reading The Field Guide to Magical Women by mm-hmm. Wanda White. So, like, interspersed in the book, she had checked out that book from the library. Mm-hmm. And there's little passages. There's, like, a book within the book. And she's reading about other women. And the whole field guide 
it highlights magical women, but particularly women who are in that zone of having young children. Wanda White says is like the most magical mm-hmm. part of a woman's life. That's when she can she can go from the normal world to the magical world more easily and fluid more fluidy fluid fluidy <laughs> yeah more fluidly i don't know so she had started hanging out with a group of moms to sell those herbs yeah it was like mlm and honestly i was like yes okay so we're gonna take mlms which on a personal note i think that they are predatory to women and to mothers and i will say that out loud and if you ask me about it i will tell you that to your face well and it also seems like rachel yoder has the same point of view Right. And I was like, yes, we are going, yes, let's hone in on MLMs. I have deep feelings about an MLM. But it still, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. So it seems like the whole like ringleader of the herbs group, her Uh name was Jen. She called her Big Blonde. She personified perfect motherhood. Her kids were always clean and well-dressed and she was always clean and well-dressed and meanwhile our night bitch mom is like you know she hasn't brushed her hair in four days and she hasn't showered in a week and more like me she's probably got like (laughs) spit up on her clothes that might be a little bit of baby shit but baby shit never hurt anyone so that's fine at the end of the book the big blonde perfect mother admits to night bitch that she has actually gotten herself and all of her friends into like thousands of dollars of debt because of this mlm and she and Jen turned the whole night bitch thing into a performance art piece with like super large crowd turnouts. And I'm assuming that they use that money to kind of pull Jen mm-hmm. out of the debt. Right. So it was, it was, at the end, it was very like women empowering women type of thing. Now that we've kind of given you like the premise, this whole book just makes me wish that I was still in school so I could discuss this with like someone who was qualified. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I need, like, a teacher to guide me and give me, like, writing prompts because this book seems like it could go so much deeper than I can. I feel like this book is two different views. Okay. If you're a mom and if you're not a mom. I feel like if I had read this book before I became a mother, I would have viewed it completely different. Oh, 1,000%. Right. Had I read this book before I became a mother, I would be like, this is some fucking stupid bullshit. I feel like it is definitely a choose-your-own-adventure (laughs) you know pre-baby and then after baby Uh uh-huh so i had read this article in the new yorker titled a novel that imagines motherhood as an animal state and it goes through night bitch and it references a book by charlotte perkins gilman called the yellow wallpaper have you heard of it Mm -mm. so the yellow wallpaper details the deterioration of a woman's mental state while she is on a rest cure in a rented summer country estate with her family Her obsession with the yellow wallpaper in her bedroom marks her descent into psychosis from her depression throughout the story. Okay. Okay. I was instantly like, gotta buy it. Went on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Not available. Currently unavailable. Oh, I wonder if it's on Libby. I don't know, but I need to read it because I feel like it's like all every review I've read of the yellow wallpaper has been like. It sounds exactly depressing enough for you. Right. 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 Oh, it is on Audible. So maybe I'll get it. (laughs) <laughs> um, but apparently it's like this is kind of like parallel to that mm-hmm. maybe not so psychosy like but mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting that they they mentioned that book that it was about essentially psychosis I know that <laughs> some women experience psychosis after they have a child I've heard about it on Dateline <laughs> honestly I am not one of those women who love babies mm-hmm. I'm not I don't like babies now my husband and I are done having kids. So now that I know there's no longer a threat of me being mm-hmm. stuck with another one, mm-hmm. I 
I want to hold all the babies. That way, when they start crying, I'll just give it back to the mom. Mm-hmm. So last night, we went and hung out with some of my friends that I have. They have two little kids. And she went to go put the baby down. She's like, oh, she's like holding this thing. And I'm like, oh, give it to me. Mm-hmm. I love her. Let me hold her. And then hold her for a while. while, And then she started crying. I'm like, okay, here you go. Take this thing back. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, my God. I loved it. She's so sweet. I feel like I can appreciate babies more that I don't have any. Yeah. So I feel like this book super spoke to me because – everyone like social media and like TV and like, I don't know, just like grandparents and you know, like all the, your society tells you that women are supposed to be so nurturing and just like have this, this want to Mm -hmm. take care of babies. And I did not take to it very well. Yeah. I like children, but babies is babies are so hard. Like you're always rushing. There's never enough time. When you finally pick them up from daycare, it's time for them to go to sleep. And yeah. then as soon as you get them to go to sleep, all they do is fucking cry all night. So then you're up with them all night long until the sun comes up and it's time to do the whole shit show mm-hmm. over again. You're like, why are you crying? What's going on? Like, what do you want? I just fed you. Like, mm-hmm. does your stomach hurt? I don't know. Just fucking tell me. <laughs> so this whole book is, it seems like she is the same as me. So right? a lot of the book, it was actually so aligned with my own thoughts that I realized I was actually no longer reading. I'm daydreaming. Yeah. So yeah. I honestly had a hard time focusing on this book because it was so close to how I felt. Yeah. It is it almost didn't keep me engaged because it was my own thoughts. And see what's interesting is so you know you don't like babies. When I was growing up, the only thing I wanted to be other than the five careers I had planned for myself. You're like Barbie. Right. I was gonna be all kinds of different things. Um, was a mom. And you never never, never wanted, wanted a kid. Didn't like baby dolls, didn't like that. I loved I I loved the idea of being a mom. So when I was actually a mom, it was hard for me because it was like, I have wanted to do this my entire life. Why do I not like it? It's like whenever you read a book and it ends up being something you didn't expect it to be. Yeah. And I was like, well, I wanted to, well, but I wanted to do this. Well, it was like, yeah, it was just like, you want to, you plan a vacation and you go and you're like, well, this is stupid. This isn't exalt at all what I thought it was going to be. This is expensive and it's not fun and I'm fucking tired. I'm tired and I can't get away. And I just want to go home. Right. And so that's what motherhood and like having a baby was like for me. Ha- did it twice. Maybe the second one. Will- <laughs> hated that one even more. <laughs> I hated that experience. Like not the children. No, no. See, no. Here's the thing: is like it gets so corrupt because you say you hate being a mother, and people take that to mean you hate your children, and that's. Honestly, no. in Night Bitch, she addresses this too. There's so much female rage is a huge thing in this mm-hmm. book. There's so much female rage, mostly directed at her husband, but because of this person. Rightfully so. Because <laughs> of the little baby, but the baby's the only thing that you like know that you love. It's so conflicting to to be a mother, especially to a baby. I will say now that my kids, my youngest child is seven. I have a stepdaughter that's 19. I have an almost 11-year-old and an almost 8-year-old. Now they're like actual real humans. Mm -hmm. So you can talk to them. You can reason with them. Now they're fun. Love it. I love being a mother now. Babies, not my thing. Now, my Mm -hmm. friend Brittany, she is a natural She's always just known. And she gets aggravated. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she does those things. But she she slipped into motherhood so much easier 
than I did. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to me because other than that, I would say Brittany and I are almost exactly the same person mm-hmm. except for that. So it's so weird to me that I'm like, how are you me, but you're so good with babies? Well, I remember when you had Kaylee, you were just like, ugh. Take it. And I was like, <laughs> give it to me. Give her to me. Like, well, oh my when God. you have babies, they only want their moms. Mm-hmm. 36 hours a day. They only want their mothers. They never give you a break. And just sometimes you need five fucking minutes. You can't eat when you want to eat. You can't shit when you need to shit. Like, you can't get dressed when you need to get dressed. You're never on time. You know, you just need a second to take and a see, breath. And see, I still feel like that now. Sometimes I do, mostly when there's like time constraints. Like, you know, like now, we have to be somewhere at a certain time. Yeah. Now it's just, I mean, my kids are 13 and 10, but I still feel that way, especially with Elliot, because she is such a mama's girl. She cannot not have me around. Mm-hmm. So she got like this pizza kit. It was a Melissa and Doug kit for essentially like four and five year olds, mm-hmm. but she wanted it because she likes pretending. Mm-hmm. So we got it. And she and I sat down yesterday and made a menu and printed it out. So she, like, had it laminated at home. And, like, she has – okay. So I'm in the bathtub because after I made dinner and after I cleaned up and all of this, it was my time. I'm going to go take a bath. Don't fight. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. I'm in the bathtub. Here comes Elliot shoving that menu in my face. What do you want? Do you want something to drink? Which kind do you want? So I'm in the bathtub and she's feeding me wooden pizza. <laughs> so there is no like getting away and I loved it because I love spending time with her but at the same time it was like can I just shave my legs there are many times when I have to remind myself it's not gonna be that long until they're not here or they don't want to talk to me oh I know so I have to like internally take a breath and think they just love me oh I know I know I do it all the time so it's Oh, God, it's just so hard being a mom and trying to, like, be a good mom. I think oh, it yeah. was – was it you I was talking to where we were trying to talk about, like, um, making sure your kids, like, eat correctly and, mm-hmm. like, exercise and you don't want to give them food complexes. So how are you supposed to handle this? Because when we were growing up, our parents just gave us food complexes. Right. That's that true. we yeah. carry with today. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't matter how much I work out. I am going to think that I'm fat mm-hmm. because of the way that I was raised. Now, I can look in a mirror and I can say, you're not fat. You look great. What's wrong with you? But then I'll go eat a chip and be like, why you eat these chips, you fucking fat ass? <laughs> like in my head. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I'm trying. It's like food, clothes, mm-hmm. everything. You try. It's just hard work trying to like. Well, you're trying to undo sh- everything whenever you're a child and whenever you're growing up, when we were growing up. But that's just never going to happen. Oh, we will never so escape that. So. I'm trying to not do that to my children, especially my daughter. And so I keep my mouth shut a lot. Her saving grace is that she is so active and she's in cheer and she's needs to eat more because she is so active. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have Debbie snack cakes at home. We also have a lot of fruit and we also, and my kids actually prefer to eat granola and yogurt together. Jax might eat a whole box of cinnamon toast crunch, but he's really kind of supposed to. Yeah. I wouldn't let Elliot do that. Okay. And I want to actually get back to that whenever we get done talking about this book. To me, did this book almost feel like a diary to you? Because yeah. as I was reading this, I was thinking that it's most like On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous. 
it seemed almost like a diary. It just, right. just seemed like she was writing about her own life. And she actually did write this book while she had a young child. And she said that the first two years of his life, she didn't write at all. Now, this is a woman who has a master's in writing. Mm-hmm. You know, she's written every single day of her life. So for her not to write for two years, she lost her identity. Yeah, she lost herself. And then, like, it does kind of feel like on Earth we're briefly gorgeous because there's not a lot of dialogue. No. It is mostly stream of conscious writing. Mm-hmm. And it's like figuring things out within yourself. It's a very unexpected read because I'm telling you, I was like, night bitch, woman turns into a dog. Yes. I'm thinking it is like the Santa Clarita diet. I thought it was so funny too. One of the things that I thought was like kind of drew me into it is like, she thinks she's turning into a dog. So she's Googling canine teeth in women, has women turned into dogs and then she goes into like witchcraft and then like goes off the rails of like Ouija boards. Or, <laughs> yeah. or it's just funny because I've totally started Googling something and then ended up not even anywhere near what I started Googling. Oh my God. You know, so I was, oh yeah. That cracked me up because I'm like, oh my God, I get that. And I am one of those people that Googles everything. If I have a thought, let me see. Okay, so getting back to female rage, I know that I have yelled at my kids to where my throat hurts. And in the middle of yelling at them, my brain is saying, Shut what up. the fuck is wrong with you? You're being a fucking psycho. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't stop. I'm already committed. So then I have to defend this screaming and crazy actions. And I don't even agree with it, but I've already started. I completely feel the female rage. And a lot of it, it's because this tiny person is in, is in control of your life. And you think, at least me. I think, why isn't my husband getting up and like helping? Mm-hmm. And she comes to the same realization. And you already said this fucking loser husband. It took me until my second child was probably two or three for me to specifically ask my husband to tell him what to do. He happily got up and did it as mm-hmm. the man and night bitch did the husband and night bitch. Yeah. He's like, okay, sure. Whatever you need. It's like men need to be men are not women. Mm-hmm. They're not mind readers. And he just didn't know, apparently, that I was losing my shit. And if he would just change the fucking diaper, right, it would just be better. But if you say, hey, can you change this fucking diaper? Then he's just like, yeah, sure. It's just like the easiest thing, but I don't understand why it took me so long to figure it out. I don't either. I don't know why you waited two years. Into my second child. Because I was like, day one, can you help? Okay. And then from then on out, boy, if I was up landing, was up. So anytime I see a man not help out or mm-hmm. like consider it to be like beneath them or ugh, extra or anything like that, I'm immediately turned off. Well, to be fair, like he would do things if I asked him to and he would come get the baby, but my husband drives a lot. So I didn't want him feeding the baby at nighttime because I was at home. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want him to like fall asleep while he was driving because no, you can't fucking die right now. I don't <laughs> have time for you to be dead. Mm-hmm. So, and I breastfed my kids. Mm-hmm. So there was no helping feed. The, there was no like getting up and doing like any kind of feeding thing. And I honestly, I think the breastfeeding contributed a lot to like my night bitch. Maybe so. Because it was all on me. Yeah. Nobody else could do it. It was just, it's really hard. It is very hard. That's why I formula fed. Honestly, because yeah. I was like, you know what? You gonna help. I don't know. And then you get to a point where you feel like you have zero purpose other than to be somebody's mother. Well, and you get mad at yourself because you feel yourself turning into everything that you did not want to be. Right. But then at the same time, you know you would do literally anything for this kid. And it's just, it's the most conflicting 
emotions that you anyone will ever experience. And like, no wonder everyone gets postpartum depression. Honestly, if you don't get postpartum depression, then what's wrong with you? You know? Right. Like, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Elliot has asked me if being a mom is hard. And I tell her it is the easiest, hardest thing I've ever done because it is so easy to love your children. Yeah. And it's so easy to be a mom, but then it is actually the hardest thing it to be a mom. I, I don't know about you, but like dinner time is just like my Achilles heel and I can't stand it. And like, I swear to God, the next person who asks me what's for dinner is just going to have to pack their bags because I can't <laughs> with that. I don't know what it is about that, but like. <sighs> I have not cooked dinner in years. I, that is the thing that my husband does. He cooks dinner. I run the kids around at nighttime. He does get sick of it. There mm-hmm. are some nights when he's like, out of nowhere, he'll be like, I'm not fucking cooking dinner tonight. And we're just like, whoa. Okay. Okay. So that's me when I had mm-hmm. babies. Just like out of nowhere, I would get mad at like the straws in the wrong spot mm-hmm. on the counter or something, you know. And we're just like, we can eat cereal. It's fine. You know, like uh, scramble some eggs, have mm-hmm. some oatmeal. Like it's not a big deal. And he's just like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like he's kind of gets it too. What I thought was funny is I remember my mother-in-law used to call mom's Momsters, she gets it. I'm know? a total monster mom. Seriously, one second I will go from like dancing in the kitchen with my kids and like being silly to like I'm making them cry and they're like screaming and, and like running out of the room. Yes, because why would you do that? Whatever they did, yeah. Why would you think what that the was okay? Wrong with you? I I own it, and then I'm like, I'm sorry that I had that reaction. Yeah, I do. That is one thing that I've started. I've made an effort to do is like I used to be the queen of like not apologizing and. I wasn't fucking sorry either. Like, so I'm not going to If I could just encompass you as a person, (laughs) that is literally you as a person. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to apologize because I, what am I apologizing for? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to insult you by lying to you anymore. (laughs) If you would just own your attitude. Mm -hmm. No. For instance, yesterday, cleaning the bathroom with my daughter and I spent probably four hours cleaning their fucking shower, mm-hmm. and she cleaned the toilet. Well, I came out, and the toilet was clearly not cleaned. I don't even think she – it was full of dog hair and pee. She so I'm worse. like, did you, did you even look at it? Mm-hmm. So I had to do it. So I'm like, just get out of the way. Ow, 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 move. <laughs> like a fucking lunatic, right? Uh-huh. Like it's not that big Instead of a deal. Instead of just showing her. Like, exactly. This is how you clean a toilet. Right. So, like, 10 minutes later, like, I clean the toilet, and I'm, like, seething oh, the whole time. <laughs> so mad. And then you're, like, I swear, why do I always have to be cleaning the toilet? And then I swear, I just need to put Yes. Yeah, seething. So then I come out, and I, like, calm down, and I realize I was wrong. You know, like, yeah. I didn't need to talk to her like that. And I don't want her to think less of herself because mm-hmm. I'm talking to her like that. I don't want her to talk to other people like that. Yeah. So I had to go in there. I'm, I'm very sorry. I talked to you like that. That was wrong of me. I think I was just aggravated because mm-hmm. it was hot in the shower. And also, I haven't eaten today. And, you know, I'm psycho when I don't eat. And so, then they're like, okay. sorry. And then, she, yeah, this is, she's like, okay, I know it's no big deal. But just the act of, like, apologizing mm-hmm. and showing that everyone has emotions and everyone makes mistakes, mm-hmm. but it's okay to apologize, mm-hmm. is that shows her that now whenever she makes a mistake, she can say she's sorry and it's not a big deal. You right. Know, like, she, she immediately forgave me. Mm-hmm. So the next time she makes a mistake and she comes in and she tells me she's sorry, I will immediately forgive her too. And she knows that. So it's, like, comforting. It is. It's a life lesson. It's a, it's a learning moment. I'm not perfect. 
<laughs> the way you looked at me. Not. <laughs> I'm not perfect. Nobody is. So it's okay to apologize. Um, I like that you that you realize that. <laughs> I mean, it took me like 36 years. <gasps> right. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Just laying it all out there. Right. So moving this discussion along. So for me, so much of motherhood was instinct because we didn't have the best mother. Mm-hmm. And I was the youngest on both sides of our family for as long as it mattered. I have cousins that are like six or seven years younger than me. They lived mm-hmm. out of town. So didn't really see them. For all intents and purposes, family get-togethers, I was always the baby. Right. There's never been children around and ever babysat. So for me, motherhood was so instinctual. So do you think that's what brought out the animal in Night Bitch too? Absolutely. Just because that whole, the whole process is like, you can't ask the baby what it wants. No, it's all instinct and it's all nurturing from instinct and doing what you feel there. I mean, yeah, there's a million parenting books. I didn't read any of them. I read one. Jack, when I had Jack's, it was like all of that went out the window because in that moment, you can't remember any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's just like baby cries, pick it up. I'll say those books are so boring. Yeah, very boring. I would rather read The Yellow Wallpaper. (laughs) We will. (laughs) (laughs) When the baby's crying, there's like a checklist, but it's... it's, You're like, well, let me go to chapter 37 of what to expect when you're expecting. I did read that. That's the one I read. (laughs) And it was... Oh, God. It was so, like... mm -mm. It... Does it help? Yeah, it helps you when you're pregnant to make you feel like you're prepared, but nothing prepares you for motherhood like actually being a mom. God, I remember when I was pregnant with my first child, I was I was big pregnant. This was like, you know, a week before I had him. I was folding up receiving blankets and I just lost my shit because I was like, why are there so many receiving blankets? I'm like bawling, crying, mm-hmm. sitting on the floor, Folding these receiving blankets, being like, what am I going to do with all these blankets? Why do I need this many blankets? It was just, it yeah. was the weirdest, the weirdest thing because I very distinctly remember that happening mm-hmm. and me just like, that was like a breaking point. Like, I know I'm going to need lots of diapers. Why yeah. the fuck do I have all these blankets? And right. why did everyone give me blankets? Why, ever, why did everyone think that I needed this many blankets? Well, yeah. The answer is you use them for everything. You can swaddle the baby. You can wipe spit up up. You can like dress the baby in it if it's cold. <laughs> like literally you can do anything. You lay it on it's your like lap. You lay it on diaper. If you it, run out of diaper. Right. You put it down whenever you're changing a diaper. It's like an instant play place on like a dirty floor. Mm-hmm. So like the answer is it's literally everything. But I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> right. And I like, and I'm not a crier mm-hmm. or I wasn't before I had children. I think that was, that must've been the first, now I can cry at the job of a dime. I can read something like empowering and start crying. Mm-hmm. Oh, so stupid. Not, no, it's... That's another rate motherhood changes you. Like where are these emotions coming from? Because I don't like them. No, it's like your hormones shift, your emotions shift, and they kind of fall back in different places. So you're just different because I'm also a crier. Friday, there was a story on Ukraine and how I could like start crying, like talking about it and how the women are like going into Poland, like on a train, like I'm seriously trying to cry, (laughs) going into Poland on a train with like their kids and they're dropping their kids off. Because all the men have been taken, have been drafted basically. Right. And they're going just the women and the children and they are going back in. They're leaving their families in Poland, like in, and they're getting back on the train back into war zone and going back into Kiev and to these areas because they 
love their country and they know what they have to do. So they're going to like help with war efforts? Yeah. Like the men are fighting and the women are there as like backup and, you know, like my husband's there and and I need to be with my husband or they have left family there. Yeah. Like their parents are too old or whatever going into Poland or wherever with their pets and their, their family that can leave. And I'm going back and there was this woman and she was like, I'm going back in because my parents can't die alone. Oh my God. It was like, first of all, I can't imagine. Like I just sat here and told my kids will drive me fucking crazy, but to leave them, they're stronger than me. I mean, it was just like, I was standing there. I was just, it was like, you know, six fifty in the morning and I'm watching this. It was one of those, moments where you just like look around and you're like puts things into perspective like I'm sitting here oh my god it was like makeup this, to work it was for this the day jolt of reality of like I don't deserve this almost like there is something going on like right now right that we will never understand that and what we just makes, won't get what makes us special to what where makes we don't have us to deal with this be able to sit here today and like record this podcast and me go home and like serve dinner my family and like and complain about it and yes, and, and watch this last episode of Inventing Anna and not want to take my makeup off because I'm too tired to like crawl into my king size bed. Yeah. Like how dare I? Right. And that's just what I felt. I was just like, you want to talk about strong ass women? Mm-hmm. I could never. No. Misty could never. <laughs> I'm still tired from going to Disney World last weekend. What, my what the privilege? Fuck is wrong with you? What? <laughs> so that's something that's been bothering me since Friday was just like what do you get to and these people why? have to leave their children obviously I don't make the rules I, I don't know it's just something I've been trying to wrap my head around do you remember whenever daddy died and no yeah, of course <laughs> yes. okay. I remember those days afterwards my world has just been mm-hmm. turned upside down and people are going to the park. Like what the fuck is wrong with them? Don't they see that the shit has happened? Like it's not a pretty fun day. Like daddy just yes. died. Right. It's like, do you understand the world has lost Larry Fryer? So it's like that times a gajillion. Mm-hmm. I have to be like, I'm sitting here complaining because my husband's cooking something I don't want for dinner. Meanwhile, these people have lost their husbands and brothers and fathers, and it's all on them to take care of their children. And they're doing these they're living heroic in bunkers. Exactly, exactly. It's just you have to you have to remind yourself. I think it's it's just insane. It's, okay, we could also but, talk about this forever too. I don't really have much else to say about Night Bitch except for it will speak to mothers. It's actually in pre-production for an Amy Adams movie. Really? Yeah. It I was love started, Amy Adams. It was started during COVID, but obviously COVID fucking ruined COVID everything. COVID So there's that. Also the little, the roadkill visual art that she talks about <laughs> in the book. Yeah. She says in the book that someone goes and like picks up roadkill and like cleans off the bones and puts them back together and like carves them and stuff. That's real. I've heard of that. So her artist friend that does it is named Lee Running. And that's what she does. And you can go find her website and find the the bones and the displays and like the exhibits of it. Yeah. It's really cool. So how many stars did you give this book? That's a difficult question because it's a two-part question. Okay. I would give it five stars as well as it grasps the thoughts that new mothers and mothers have. Mm-hmm. Five stars all the way. As a book to this read. This book will most definitely prepare you for having a child more than what to expect when you're expecting. Yeah, this is real shit. Real life. As just a book to sit down and read, Mm -hmm. three. Okay, I'm right in the middle because I gave it four stars. Okay. Because 
I felt that it's definitely not for everyone. I do no. not feel like my husband would really get it. Although I should give it to him and be like, read this and you'll understand why I was such a fucking psycho. And why I still am. Yeah. I mean, it's your fault. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I do feel like it was a little long for what it, and like repetitive. Yeah. For what it had to say. I feel like it could have been shorter. But it just like spoke to my soul and I felt it in my bones and I could identify with it so well that it was, it just, Rachel, you did it. That was, it was amazing. I found boredtodeathbookclub.com actually has a list and they said, if you've read this book, what else should you read? Right. They said Department of Speculation by Jenny Offal. Um, if you want more terrible motherhood slash artist stories. The Changeling by Joy Williams. Oh, yeah. That was so good. So this one is if you wanted to confirm that this struggle is not new. Our grandparents felt this same struggle. They just weren't allowed to really talk about it. You know, like grandmothers. Mm -hmm. Our grandmothers felt this struggle. And then Strange Beasts of China by Yan Gi. If you wanted the field guide of magical women to be real. I also heard that Chouette by Claire. Oh, shit. Oshetsky. No. It's about a woman who gives birth to an owl baby. <laughs> what? Right. And Yoder actually mentioned, I thought about this one before, and then Yoder actually mentioned that one by name. She said that she just really liked the sentence structure. She liked how mm. each sentence pinged. Okay. She's really into, like, the process and, like, the actual structure of books and stuff, it seems. And then I started watching Working Moms on Netflix. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so good. So, the, so Working Moms on Netflix would be like, if this book was really funny. Yes. You know, like. Because yes. this was, book is not funny. It has some funny, like, very dry It's very moments, dry. Very dark. But it's, I would definitely it's not. It's not a comedy. No, and a lot of people will describe it as hilarious. And I'm like, what book were you reading? To me, it was really kind of witnessing the fall of a woman's mental state, which is not funny. No. I did have one quote that I wanted to read. I've said it probably every episode that since having my daughter, I have become such a feminist. I want my daughter to know that she is more than just raising kids mm -hmm. and staying at home. And if she wants to do that, that's fine. But she doesn't have to just do that. So at the end of this book, it says, Womanhood and motherhood are perhaps the most potent forces in human society, which of course men have been hasty to quash for they are right to fear these forces. So it's just mm -hmm. like, it goes back to what you said about Ukraine, like these women like banding together to help mm -hmm. their country because women can do so much. I'm really sl slowly, and I wish this had been something that I was taught, that we were taught growing up, because it, it was definitely not what we were taught growing up, that women are, A, a force to be reckoned with, absolutely. Yes. Women, though emotional, and I own that because I am emotional, but we're emotional in a different way. Men are emotional too. It's okay to be emotional too. Like It's healthy to be emotional. And the main thing I wish that we had been taught that I really want to nurture in my daughter is that women are better together. Like when we raise each other up, mm -hmm. we can all be so much more. So like just because somebody else is talented does not make you not talented. It is so good for women to band together and recognize this person is good at writing. This person is good at performing. This person is good at entertaining. Or, Some you know, like, strengths do not take away from your own strengths no, at all. No, it's like just because a star shines bright doesn't mean you, you shine any less. Right. And I'm hoping that, I know this is so stupid, but I'm hoping that with Elliot being in cheer, I know it's cheer, it's all, you know, it's competitive cheer, it's whatever. 
what I am seeing is a group of girls that are in such a vulnerable state of their lives because they are preteen, about to head into preteen, but they <laughs> support each other mm-hmm. and there's no fighting and there's no... See, that's not how it was when we were little. Whenever we were little, it was like two girls was fine, but three was always a fight. Oh yeah, trio is... But this is a group of girls who help each other and literally lift each other up, you know, <laughs> literally... And when they do well, it's because they did it together. And I want her to stick with this because... Cheer is definitely not an individual sport. No. It's like if one you person's lose, having a... You lose together. Exactly. If one person's having a bad day and everyone puts more shit on that person, mm-hmm. it's not going to come out well. But if someone's having a bad day and you all band together and raise her up... Right. You will all have a good day. Right. And especially with girls, I did not have that experience growing up. It was. I never had girl friends really until I became a mom. Yeah. I had friends, but they were friends that we like laughed with and had inside jokes with and probably made fun of other people with. But as soon as someone else came along, you were dropped. It wasn't like a friendship. Yeah. And I never learned about support any type of support growing up, whether it was parent, parental support, support from a boyfriend, support from a friend. I've never been one to have like a lot of friends, but I feel like I've got a bigger group of friends than I ever had before. And I've got about four or five Mm -hmm. good female friends Mm -hmm. that I can call. And I'm just so thankful for every single one of them. Moving on. So April. April, we have decided that we will not have an episode in April. We will be back in May for, like, the start of season two, I guess. Mm -hmm. But April, we are taking off because we do every year an egg fundraiser for your son, Jax. I think we've mentioned before that he has cystic fibrosis. Have you ever – can you just, like, tell us real quick what that is? So cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease that affects the cells that control sweat and mucus production in the body. So major organs, lungs, pancreas fill up with sticky mucus and – infection sets up shop there so he can have a hard time breathing if it's not kept it's under, pre- under respiratory control. yeah digestive and then also digestion mm-hmm. every time he eats he has to take enzymes mm-hmm. to digest his food for him right otherwise Correct. he's not digesting anything because he has a non-functioning pancreas so i think it was in louisiana when you're born they automatically do a foot stick test yeah newborn screening and you're tested automatically for a bunch of stuff cystic fibrosis is one of them and it was not part of it did not become part of the newborn screening until 2008 when Jax was born thank god thank so god. i remember the first few days of his life you were super night bitch because he <laughs> god. fucking cried for what four days straight until y'all found out he had cystic fibrosis? he was for eight days because he was not um, he, because he, he wasn't was eating full. yeah but it was he was literally pooping it out straight through yeah and he had failure to thrive he was in the negative percentile and i remember when you called me crying saying he had cystic fibrosis i said what does that mean does that mean he's not gonna, gonna be able to walk does that mean he won't be able to talk like, yeah is he gonna be special needs and i was like i literally don't have never heard of it i had heard of it in passing but not i thought it was like multiple sclerosis or you know like i was it like a physical thing? So, of course, I got told, we got told Friday afternoon that he had CF and that we needed to go Monday to Tulane Hospital in New Orleans to officially give him a diagnosis of mm-hmm. CF. And you have to do a sweat test where they make you sweat with these little electrodes, I guess. Mm-hmm. It helps with sweat production and then they test your sweat. Um, but that he did have it. 
So people with cystic fibrosis are super salty. Whenever they sweat, I mean, everybody's salty when they sweat, but people with cystic fibrosis are like super salty. They're like the Dead Sea. It is. And like he'll get salt, like dried salt salt (laughs) particles like in his forehead and stuff. Like it's not danger if it's salt. It's salt. (laughs) Um, And I spent all weekend whenever he was diagnosed Googling because, and this was 2008. She's like, what is cystic fibrosis? Is he going to be able to walk? Did Jesus walk on water? The only thing that I found was life expectancy, quality of life. So life expectancy for a lot of cystic fibrosis diagnosed people is not very long. Whenever he was born, it was just shot. It was just like 30, 30 years old. Now it's past 40s. It's, they have, so Cystic Fibrosis campaign is called Great Strides, and they have literally made Great Strides in just a few amount of years, Mm -hmm. and they have a walk every year called Great Strides. Mm -hmm. So whenever we do this egg fundraiser, we sell eggs, you know, like we'll sell 25 eggs for like, you know, $30 or something, whatever. We go the night before Easter, and we hide the eggs so that people's kids wake up to like hidden um, Easter eggs or whatever. Every single bit of that money goes to cystic fibrosis and it goes to Team Jacks. I have actually put a link on our link tree and you can go to the cystic fibrosis website and just directly support Team Jacks. Right. So if you want to go on and give like a dollar, it will literally all go to cystic fibrosis. It goes, well, it's CF Foundation and 90% of every dollar goes to the CF Foundation, which is honestly, if you look at how much... Uh, your donations go to the actual foundations. That's really it's high. It's very high. I think, what is it, Susan G. Coleman? If you give them a dollar, 60 cents of it actually <laughs> yes, goes to breast that, research. If that. And that's the CF Foundation has made it um, research, education, a priority. So when you donate money, that is going to research and education and to fund the things that, that people with CF need. There's so many programs that the CF Foundation actually helps with. So Jax is on Trikafta, which whenever he was 12, he became eligible for Trikafta. It's a modulator and it it helps CF at a cellular level. So it's really kind of like the closest thing that we have to a cure right now. And it was funded through research and CF Foundation and it's just really become a miracle drug for people with CF. To put it in perspective, I think the year before, whenever Jax was 11 or right before he turned 12 mm-hmm. and he was eligible for Trikafta, Jax actually had to go to the New Orleans Children's Hospital, Children's Hospital for his, close to 14 days. His lung function was down to mm-hmm. like in the 50s. And he had, he was so close to having to have like a, what is it, a pica line put yeah, in uh-huh. his up up a vein and into his lungs mm-hmm. it was it was pretty because scary. of lung infections and he was he lost a significant amount of weight because of lung infections because insurance had denied one of his medications that he takes every other month and out of the blue insurance said no he can't take it anymore it's too expensive so as soon as he stopped that it's like lung infections started and over the course of about five months he lost a lot of weight and his lung function went from the 90s to the 50s so i will say though that I know a lot of times change is made because it has to be. And sometimes you look at people and you're like, man, these people are so driven. How do they accomplish so much? And I know with you in particular, you would have never gotten into cystic fibrosis stuff unless you have to, obviously. But you've done so much. Like, y'all, my sister has met with the governor 
before <laughs> to talk about cystic fibrosis mm-hmm. and funding and to make sure she just last week I think she did March at the Hill. Yeah, I did which March is, on the Hill with Congressman Garrett Graves and um, so Misty was a representative of cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. She's been a CF advocate. Um, one of the cooler aspects of it is that y'all actually you and Jax went to go like model for yeah. one of the one of the drugs for, yeah the he Toby was pod inhaler he yes for y'all he are was, in a brochure he was in a brochure I mean there's obviously not many ups to having CF no. but that was pretty cool yeah we've I mean honestly it's one of those things where it is not good the reason he was chosen because in part because he's so damn cute is because he has CF so we've kind of this is a really shitty hand that he was dealt. Yeah. How can we... He had had more surgeries by the time he was two than I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've had one surgery and it was elective. Yeah. Boobs. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like, and by the time he was two or three, he had had like eight surgeries. Yeah. And you know, like, I guess because he's, that's his life. He's always mm-hmm. done it. He's always just done it. He's never really complained. Mm-mm. He just, he does it. He, he takes it in stride. He's... He's a good kid. He's a great kid, he, but he's he's starting to kind of... A little jerk, but he's a great he's, kid. He's He can be. Um, Jax and I like to mess with each other. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he loves and can't stand his Aunt Liz. Yeah. Um, he does see a counselor because there's things that I can tell him, but I'm not equipped to handle Kids these kind of questions. Kids don't take it from their parents anyway. No, and I'm not... A, I can do the best that I can, but I'm not really equipped to answer these, am I going to die questions. I'm oh his God. mother. You know what I'm saying? We'll just start crying, and that would just be scary. Well, right, right. And then, he, you know, the person that's going to answer that question doesn't need to sit there and cry. Okay, so we say all that to say support cystic fibrosis. We would love for you, you know, if you can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars to Team Jacks or just cystic fibrosis in general. Yeah. Check out our link tree, and we will be back in May. We'll still be posting on Instagram and Twitter yeah. and stuff, but no podcast for the month of April. And... We'll miss you, but we need a break. We do need a break. So follow us on socials. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll see y'all in May. Bye. A jagged little peel. Peel. A (laughs) jagged little peel. Oh my God, I can't say it. My God, Alanis Morissette.